Hello, you're listening to Abiding Life Studios. I'm Noah Wells, and today in the studio I have Steve Reinhard and Mike Yankee. They're both from Colorado Springs, and John Kovach, and he is from Maryland, and he just flew in today. Woohoo! Thanks for having us, Noah. Good to be here. Hey guys. Yeah. Well, we're gonna dive into a harder uh, podcast uh, subject today, and we're gonna dive into suicide. Uh, a lot of us have dealt with it, had it in our lives, um, known people that done it, have thought about it, and I think Steve's going to start us out. Thanks, Noah. Thanks for thanks for having us and inviting us um, and bringing up this really challenging, uncomfortable topic of suicide. Um, so, kind of in our podcast method here, can I go, can I just ask a, two questions? Because I'll never know the answer to these questions unless I ask you. And I'm kind of asking the listeners these two questions. Okay. And this is kind of a, th- I just had this thought. Okay, so we'll start with Noah. Noah, how suicidal do you feel right now? Do you have any suicidal thoughts? At this moment, no. Okay, and then the second question is, would you like to end your life? No. Okay, so John, how about you? Steve, right now, No. No, I don't at all, and, uh, you know, I haven't. Okay, and would you like to end your life? No, I'm uh, I'm quite pleased where I am right now. Good. All right, and Mike, how about you? Would, do you have any suicidal thoughts? No, not right now, no. And would you like to end your life? No, not at all. Okay, so now let me go back around the room, and right now... I, I don't have any suicidal thoughts, and I don't want to end my life. That's why we're still here. All right, good. Yahoo. But now let's let's go back room and say, have you ever had any suicidal thoughts? Yes. No. Yes. Okay, John. Yes. Mike. Yes. And I have also also as well. So I just wanted to bring that out that having suicidal thoughts is kind of common and normal. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And we and we all have those things. Wanting to actually ending, end our life and doing something about it may not be as a common, where we, we might feel like we want to end it, but we actually don't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, so I'm just to kind of shift gears, how are you guys feeling about this, those questions, having those questions asked to you? Well, I mean, it's, it's a question that, as, you, as we have found out, that we've all had. At various times, I mean, it just so happens sitting here with the podcast that we're, uh, you know, fairly comfortable and, and all that. But when things occur in a person's life, when we're compressed, when there is stress, when there's pressure, all of these things have a tendency to, to make problems bigger than they might actually be, which then can lead to depression. And then the next step to that would be the hopelessness. Yeah, and for me, just sitting here, like, I would have never thought a lot of you guys would even have that thought before. Hmm. So, it's... How does that make you feel? Not alone. Hmm. Kind of makes me feel good that I'm not the only crazy one in the room. <laughs> At least you feel crazy when you're thinking about suicide. Uh, well, Steve, you made a good, I think, distinction when you talked about it just being perhaps what we might call a fleeting thought something's going on in our lives that's difficult and it's a fleeting thought but there's sort of a line which then it becomes at a deeper level 
where you begin to calculate the methodology. You begin to calculate what you could do rather than just saying, gee, it might be easier just not to be here. Okay. Sounds good. How about you, Mike? How did you feel about that? Well, I feel embarrassed that I actually said it out loud. I don't think I've ever said it before, but yeah, I, at the time I felt just totally trapped and there was no way out of a certain situation. And yeah, I didn't feel, I just, I did feel totally hopeless, Mm. um, condemned and hopeless. Mm. Mm. Well, thanks for telling us that. Thanks for sharing that. That's really means a lot. It means a lot to me that, that us guys, us four guys could sit around here and talk about something that's uh, life changing really for any of us. Um, and, uh, and, and share these kind of feelings. It's just pretty, pretty impressive. So. Yeah, definitely. And so I'd like to just kind of make a little caveat here to our listeners is none of us guys in here are theologians, although like we probably would like to pretend we are. So this is not going to be like a theologically correct discussion. In fact, we might even say some things that are way out there might even be wrong, but we're kind of at least I'm feeling like I'm being delivered from the need to be right all the time because <laughs> I've been wrong so much. It's like, it's just like one of those things that I'm kind of getting used to. And so we may some, say some things that are out there, but our, our hope today is just bearing to light something that's pretty common thought, pretty common feelings for all of us that walk this earth as followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just bringing it out to the light, I think is so important. Or at least have someone to talk to or talk to God about it. I mean, at least for me, I kept it in for so many years. Didn't talk to anyone about it. Yeah. How come you never asked me for help? I was too scared what you'd do to me. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) Can I tell a quick story? Yeah. Okay. So a few years ago, I was really, I was kind of feeling down in the dumps. I went, I got invited to Mexico for a friend of mine and we, he and I were standing there in the, in the surf talking and all of a sudden I got hit by this wave hmm. and we both got knocked down. I came up floating and I was probably six feet, just about how far we are apart. And his name is Jack and Jack looks at me, he goes, Steve, you're okay. And I'm spitting water out. And I said, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, heck Jack, I was in a lifeguard. You don't know that about me. I was a lifeguard. I've saved, all, I've saved, <laughs> I don't know, probably a dozen people's lives swimming. I can swim great. So I'm start swimming toward him, but I, pretty soon I notice I'm floating out to sea. Oh, man. And Jack goes, Steve, you okay? And I said, Jack, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm floating further out. And after about 15 minutes of floating out, see Jack's still yelling at me, Steve, you okay? And I go, Jack, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm okay. Finally, after I'm floating out, now I'm turning around looking for jet skis and boats because I'm exhausted. I can barely keep my head above water. Oh, I am like, I've really like, oh, crap this is bad. I am not going to be a survive this. I know what to do, but I didn't do it. I didn't swim sideways to the current. I fought, swam right into it. I'm going to die out here. Jack's yell, still yelling at me. Steve, you okay? Finally, Jack goes, Jack gets smart. He stops asking me if I'm okay. And he runs and gets a lifeguard. Mm. And the lifeguard swims out to me. He's got his little Baywatch board. And he looks at me and goes, Senor, are you okay? And I go, yeah, I'm okay. Finally, he goes, Senor, hold on to this. And it was like, okay, I'm not asking you anymore. Are you okay? Just hold on to this uh-huh. because I would not ask for help. 
I would not ask for help. And so he drugged my butt in, threw me up on the shore. I just passed out on the beach, laid there for over an hour. And then he came by to check on me. All I could think of was like, what's your name? What's your name? I got to know the guy that saved my life because I'm too stupid to ask for help. <laughs> so, I, so I say that story because I know sometimes for us guys, especially maybe more than women, maybe not, um, we're reluctant to ask for help or share how we're feeling. So yeah, that's what, that's what I really like about being here with you guys is I feel really comfortable asking for help and being able to say, yeah, yeah I've thought about killing myself before. Yeah. So I'd like to encourage our listeners to do that. If you're having those thoughts or if you're having those feelings, if you're thinking about taking your life, get a hold of Noah. Get a hold of somebody on the website. Email them. This is, uh, you know, it's we're not doing this to, uh, just to talk about it. We're really serious about it. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, the email abidinglifestudios at gmail.com. Someone, somebody will get a hold of us. Steve, Mike, somebody will get a hold of you and start talking to you. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I really did because you have a really great experience with this and you're a great counselor. So, Well, Steve, I just wanted to, excuse me, just wanted to interject that. And we talked about this before we started the podcast, which you just, the story you just told. And it really is symptomatic of a bigger problem than just within Christianity or abiding life or anything like that, especially men, as you said have this machismo and they don't want to ask for help there's a whole ad campaign back east with veterans that have come home from afghanistan and iraq and so forth who are struggling and are not able to talk to anyone they keep it all inside themselves and the ad campaign is just to recognize the signs because many of them will say oh i don't have any problem at all i'm doing great but inside they're being torn apart and uh you know, it's, it, it's a concern that in the suicide and suicidal thoughts that just transcends our society, even through men that have been women that have been through training or tough as nails. But these thoughts, what goes on in our heads, can tear down even the toughest people that have gone through any kind of training, physical training. Yeah, I, I, I really like what you're saying there, John. I really... Um... Uh, I was talking to somebody here not too long ago, and we were talking about emotions and feeling emotions. And us guys kind of stuff our emotions. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we have like a, a list. One of one of Mike and I's friends, he's been wanting to get his feelings back. He's been so it was like, you know, he's thinking he's he's got to have his heart fixed. He's got to have his feelings back. And now he's got his feelings back. And it's like, oh, crap, I can feel stuff now. Oh, no. There's good thing. I'm feeling all these good things, but I'm also feeling like sadness and anger and other things. And uh, anyway, so we were talking about feelings and, you know, they're usually they're broken. We break them down into a list of negative feelings and positive feelings. But uh, this guy told me, he says, oh, there's no negative feelings or no positive feelings. The only feeling that ever gives us trouble is a unexpressed feeling. And I think that's kind of what you're saying is like when we have these feelings of hopelessness, when we have these feelings of being condemned or alone and isolated and they don't and they go unexpressed and they can be expressed to God. They can be expressed to another human, expressed to somebody you care about or cares about you. Then those things can then you can really get traction on them and they can be one of those things that push us right into the presence of God. Hmm. I mean, I'm curious about what Mike's thinking about all these things we're talking about. 
I love listening to Mike because he brings such a depth of wisdom and heart and spirit. Well, I guess I did. You have a specific question, or just wanted to know what I'm thinking about? Just what? Just whatever you're thinking about. Well, yeah, suicide is just a terrible thing, and it just affects so many people. You know, afterwards, the people that that love the person that commits suicide, and even before the person you know, decides to do the act, it's it's very painful to see those around you that are hurting and suffering through all this. And yeah, it's uh, it's just a terrible thing, suicide in general. It's, um, it's just hard for those that around the loved ones that ha- that are going through this. Yeah, who are left behind. Yeah. Yeah, you don't ever think about how many people you're actually going to hurt. It's funny to me that you never think of that at all when you're, at least for me, I never once ever thought this is going to wreck my parents or, you know, this is going to wreck my friends, you know, anything. You just, you never once think about that. I don't know if I'm alone on that, but I doubt it. No, I think you're right on. But so what, so I'd like to like ask out, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? What I was thinking was fully focused on myself. Like what? Hating myself. I'm too stupid, too Mm -hmm. ugly. Nobody will want me, you know, my, I think I probably did think one thing I I know I thought at one point was they'd be better off without me, Mm. you know, and no one's going to miss me because I'm so worthless. Mm. I'm, there's nothing good in me. Mm. (laughs) I want to cry just hearing you say that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I think that's pretty common though, Noah, from, you know, I've, I've sharing with the guys earlier, a, a letter, suicide letter of a survivor and, uh, same thing. No, the world would be better off without me. My son would be better off without me. My mm-hmm. wife would be better. Every, the whole world's going to be better off. The church will be better off without me. Yeah. Uh, definitely. When you mess something up. Yeah. Then it's like, oh yeah, they would definitely, that would never happen if I wasn't here. Yeah. How about these? Here's a couple other things that um, I I printed out uh, that I thought were things that I've had, like uh, hopelessness, feelings of hopelessness. And they really they undermine our motivations to the point where, like, you wouldn't call me, right? Because you're like, well, there's no hope. Yeah. What's he gonna tell me? Yeah. What's How's he gonna, gonna help me? me? Yeah. And and so here's a couple other thoughts. Um, it's hopeless that I could ever feel happy again. So there's no point in trying mm-hmm. anything different. Yeah. Why frustrate myself and waste the effort trying to do something different? Yeah. Maybe abide in Christ. You know, it's just, and then that becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy where, you know, it's like I don't run to the Lord. I don't Mm -hmm. turn to him because I've already got this belief system running in my mind that nothing's going to help. Nothing's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I always called it the fog. I always felt like I was in a fog when I was going through hard times like that. Hmm. And I remember many times going to the Lord and, you know, I think that's the hard part when the Lord doesn't take it away and you're still right in the middle of it Mm. and you're there, you're focusing on the Lord and it's still there. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Mm. Mm -hmm. They probably don't want to relate to that, but I think they can. What do you guys think of that? Well, I, I think that, uh, 
I think, you know, seeing a person go through this stuff is, you know, I was just thinking of the word torturous. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and put the blame firmly where I think it belongs on, on Satan that he's constantly accusing us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those, you know, we, we say that we're, you know, we're focusing on the Lord when we go through that stuff. But I really think that Satan is sitting there accusing us before God. So yeah, maybe God's in the mix, but Satan's st- standing behind us, accusing us, you know, and condemning us that we're, that we're not right. Um, there's something about us that's not right. And as Christians, we have an answer. We have hope. We have, you know, we have a God that loves us. But if Satan is constantly telling us that we're not worthy and that we're not, uh, we're not able to stand in his presence, then. Yeah, like God's mad at you or God doesn't even want you. Yep. Yeah. You're, I've heard all you're that. beyond hope. Yeah. You're beyond his reach. You're beyond the power of the cross. Your sin is too great. You're. Your actions are too wrong, and there's no hope. There's there's absolutely no hope for you. Yeah. So. And I think when the enemy talks to you, too, I think you can just— I think Steve and I have talked about this, where I, I, I think Steve calls it a present. I call it a box. I mean, either or is fine. You know, the enemy comes to you, says a lie to you, then it's my choice to open that box. And yeah. usually I do. Yeah. Usually I open that box— and I destroy myself because I believe that lie. Yeah. I believe that I'm not worthy of God's love. So well, I, just, I don't know if that's I, what you're saying. Well, I, and I just like to add uh, to what you were saying that, you know, and this is really an, an uptick in, in the story, okay, because I was not a believer in Jesus during the lowest times of my life, times where I did contemplate suicide. I had a kitchen knife to my chest, but I didn't know Jesus. But now in retrospect, I'm quite certain, and my faith says that even though I didn't know him, he knew who I was, Mm -hmm. and he knew my troubles. And I didn't go through with what I thought was the answer. And now in his time, I've come to be a follower of Jesus and to be able to have this as part of a testimony. And I'm thankful for that. And, you know, that to me is the good news. Even for people that may listen to this podcast who aren't believers in Jesus or maybe are not sure, but to know that Jesus loves you unconditionally and in spite of circumstance, even though you may not know it. Right. Amen. Hmm. I like what you said there. I think that's really cool. And, and, um, And that he knew you. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's something that uh, does give us hope, mm-hmm. even, in, even while we're having these feelings and these thoughts and the, and the attack of the enemy where we're being constantly accused. It gives me hope that I've never lived a moment on this earth outside the presence of God. Mm. Right. Never, right. not a split second. Yeah. Even in my mother's womb, yeah. I was in the presence of God. Yeah. And that's a, and that is, is the message of abiding life ministries that there's nothing the nearness of Christ can't overcome. And so mm-hmm. the, as we come to that realization, you know, I kind of, and I kind of like to throw the ball back to Mike is, um, and recognizing that, uh, even in my deepest, darkest hours, I can't, I, he's there with me. 
Yeah. I might not hear him. I might not sense him. I might not mm-hmm. feel him. But it's like at some point I do wake up and I go, oh, wow, you're here the whole time. Mm-hmm. And you're not like just in my mind or imagination, but it's reality. You're here with me. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to kind of throw the ball back to Mike is like, say, so say, Mike, I've been listening to this Satan's condemnation. And yeah, I, you know, I'm just like, kind of like Noah said, I've opened the box and yeah, the world really would be better off without me. Um, I really am just a piece of crap, you know, piece of crap floating on a wave. Nothing, you know, nobody wants me. Nobody needs me. I'm pretty much worthless, hopeless, helpless, and I'm stuck and there's nothing I can change. Nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. Even God doesn't want me. So I say I'm I'm buying all that stuff. Now, where do we go from here? Well, I think it's interesting that that you brought up the gift uh, or the the word gift or box mm-hmm. um, because, and you were referring to the accusations. It's, yeah, like a, the box of lies or box of presents or lies. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. And I find it interesting also that God talks about, uh, Paul talks about the gift of righteousness. Hmm. I think where the problem is, is we think that it's not a gift of righteousness. We think it's the work of righteousness, that we have to work for this righteousness that Christ has given us. But it is a gift. And that's why I think it's interesting that you use that word gift. Hmm. It's a gift of righteousness, but we have to decide to open that gift exactly, and, and accept that gift, just like we had to accept that gift of accusation mm-hmm. that Satan gave us. Yes. But there's a much more powerful gift of righteousness that we have to open up and believe and, and look at Romans 8, 1 and say, there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. That is, that's the result of the gift of that righteousness that was uh, given to us at the cross and so it's not something that we have to work for anymore. It's something that we just walk in and live in and experience that gift and enjoy that gift daily. Mm. Okay. I, I, but I'm still enjoying this other gift or not enjoying this other gift. So, so I, I kind of get what you're saying before I've like opened up this present that the, of deceit and lies you got any ideas, anybody, on what I do after I've opened it up? I mean, I have some ideas, but I'm just throwing it out because I don't want to be blabbing. You're talking about opening up the box of lies. Yeah, so I've opened up the box of lies. In fact, I believe them all. I believe just what we already talked about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's what repentance is. I think it's changing our mind because we can choose to believe those gifts of the lies of of the devil, or we can choose to believe the gift of what God has done for us. So I think it, I think that's what repentance is, is changing our mind. So how do we do that? Well, I mean, one thing, and, and this is an area that I guess even as I could say as a society that we're lacking in, but that is having people that truly care and surrounding yourself, if you're a follower of Jesus, with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. A support system. We're still human beings. And the weight of condemnation, hopelessness, could be an unbelievable weight. And rather than just going it alone, those of us that are fellow followers of Jesus, we need to be true brothers and true sisters and look to recognize 
if there are signs, someone that we know, someone in our group, someone in our church, and to take away the stigma that comes with someone who might be contemplating suicide, uh, the shroud of secrecy that is around it so often that we're afraid to bring it out in the open, Mm -hmm. much the way that drugs was, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Mm but now it's much more open. And certainly within the church, there are topics, subjects like suicide, and it's not the only one, that make a lot of people uncomfortable. But the more that we can, as a community of believers, be there to support our brothers and sisters that are struggling, I mean, that is a big first step, that you know you have support and trust, people that you can trust, even if it's just one person that you can confide in. Yeah. Looks great. Yeah, and I and it, I think it is hard, like with you're saying with drugs, it's easier to pinpoint that and see. Oh, that person's struggling with drugs. I think it is hard to see someone who's struggling with suicide because of the the secrecy and the. I mean, my parents. I didn't tell them till I was twenty two, twenty three, and they had no clue, absolutely none. Uh, it's one of those dastardly type things that you can you could be suffering with and you can hide it so easily. Mm-hmm. You know, alcohol, sometimes that's a little tougher to hide. I mean, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. there are signs that people could see. Mm-hmm. And this is one that can be kept behind a closed door in the dark very easily. It's not the only one, but it's certainly one, yeah. you know, that, that can be very easily. Yeah, I really like what hard. I liked what you said there, John, about bringing it out behind the shroud of secrecy. And, and we talked about earlier. Um, I think there's a couple other little shrouds that I like to hide behind. One is my own pride, like mm-hmm. I would never ask for help. Um, and the other one is my own spirituality. I was like, hey, a spiritual person, or we've been talking about abiding in Christ. If you're really abiding in right. Christ. Well, you'll never have those feelings. Yeah. You so what's that say problems. about me? Yeah. Well, I must not be abiding in Christ. I must not mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about. I must not be doing things right. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, like I'm really not abiding in Christ. And in fact, I'm just having a feeling. Right. I'm just having a, a feeling and it's just a feeling not, or, or I'm having a thought I'm being, I'm having a thought that's a temptation and yeah. it's just like any other thought or temptation. Um, and so I think it's, that's the point where we can really be there for one another is when I have those mm-hmm. thoughts or temptations to like bring them into the light and call one of you guys or call, call, talk to, talk about it with our friends or wives or, and just say, Oh, I've just had this weird thought. Sounds really weird. Oh, I'm thinking my life's worthless yeah. and I, and I don't mean anything, yeah. you know, that I'm, that life's worthless here and everybody be better off without me. Yeah, and I remember even like writing stuff down on a piece of paper would help. Right, good idea. Just, just getting it out, and you know that back then I couldn't read or write anything, but I could never read it, or anyone else could read it. But <laughs> man, it just getting it out on the paper, man, it would help. Right, and and for anyone that's struggling with this, I do have, I actually have like twelve paper exercises that would you can write things out what your feelings are, kind of doing a little thought experiment like to challenge those gifts the devil gives us. Yeah. You could like challenge that is like, would the world be better off without me? 
you know what a great great way to do a little experiment on that is hmm. and I me mean, really take some gut is when you actually have that thought rolling through your mind mm-hmm. just say hey i'm just doing a little thought experiment here noah but i need you to i'm going to ask you will you be brutally honest with me mm-hmm. like tell me the absolute truth yes okay okay I did this with Barb last night over some thought I was having. Okay. And then uh, I really, but I'm, I'm not asking you to tell me what I think, what you, what I think, what you, what you think I want to hear. I want you to tell me the absolute unvarnished truth. Yeah. Do you think my family would be better off without me? No. You're just not shining me on? No, I'm not. You're just not <laughs> BSing me? No, I'm not. Okay. Really? Cause I'm having that thought. Oh yeah. No. You, so, so that was a you thought. You bring something good to your family. So that was a thought experiment. Yeah. And you can ask other people that you can take that to challenge that crap that we're handed to handed by the devil. Yeah. We can. So we, so I'm saying it's really great to grab the bull by the horns and jump in and let's wrestle with these things. Challenge right. this. Challenge stuff. your thoughts. Don't, why do we have to accept everything that's in that package and open it up and yeah. go, Oh wow, this is really this is really cool. The world mm-hmm. be better off without me. Yeah. Let's challenge that and 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 do some experiments. Challenge it mm-hmm. flat out. Hey, Steve, you're, you're reminding me of an old movie. I'm sitting here just having this <laughs> this real uh, rerun Uh-oh. of It's a Wonderful Life yeah. from the holidays. George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart, yeah. what the world would be like if I had never been born. Yeah, and would it be better off? And then he's able to actually go back in his life and see if he wasn't there for these certain events, how tragically it would have turned out with his being absent. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking the same thing. Yeah. And I want to go back and touch on something that you said, Noah, about uh, it kind of ties in with these these experiments and, and exercises. You said you wrote down those thoughts mm-hmm. on, on paper. Yeah. That's a great thing about writing stuff down on paper. You can throw that stuff away if you don't, exactly. if it's no good. And, and another thing I found interesting that you said, Steve, was that, you know, we don't have to accept those gifts from Satan. It, it gives us a choice that we don't have to accept those gifts. We, we can discard those. And I guess, I guess what I was trying to say earlier is I think we do the same thing with that, that gift from God, too. Mm-hmm. We don't have to receive those. But why why do we give more credence to the gifts of Satan than we do to the gifts of God? Do we? And I guess that's a challenging thought too. Is like, mm-hmm. do we think that those lies are more valuable and more precious than than the truths from God? You know, man, have we yeah, really it's... been that deceived that we just think, well, these this is a gift from that I know pretty sure it's a lie, but we don't give that same weight to the gifts of God and say, well, I don't want to get too, too religious about this. You know, I don't want to believe everything that God says. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think also Mike, that we we're kind of like start off with our eyes closed and it's kind of a birthing process, which kind of brings me to the, like the next experiment. Well, before you start that, I just want to say when Mike was talking, yeah, to answer maybe some of that, for me at least, I don't know, anybody else, I kind of 
it's weird to even to admit this, but for me, it's easier for me to hate myself than to love myself. Uh-huh. Mm. So I think that's why it's easier for me to open those box of lies than open the box of righteousness. Mm. Wow. Yeah. 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 Thanks for saying that. That's yeah. really important. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure I want to go ahead. I think that's really what you said. They're so powerful. It's, um, you know, maybe, maybe that's probably most people's experience. Yeah, it might be. You know, maybe it, maybe that's part of the part of the real the real problem. Why we do open those boxes is, is like, oh, this is fitting. Yeah, I, exactly. And I only started loving myself last year. Uh, cool. And it's been different, but yeah. awesome, but very different. Not used to that. Mo, you know, used to just opening up that box of crap, and it's where I'm comfortable. I'm so glad to hear that, Noah. And it's so cool that you are loving yourself. Yeah, I yeah. just, I've it makes me happy and just what makes my day here and that. Right, but it took so, me 37 years to do it. Well, that's okay. Yeah, you're you're seeing yourself the way God sees you. Right, and that's exactly that's the whole point of this. Mm-hmm. So 37 years. Yeah. How old were you when you tried to kill yourself? 14. 14. So 37 years, 14, you were trying to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the next thing. And, and this is something that your dad had talked about at one of our very first men's retreat. Mm-hmm. And there's a story, in Indi- the Indian story, you know, they always have these cool, cool questions. So, and so you have these guys sitting alongside the road and they're breaking rocks. And they're turning big boulders into little piles of gravel. And so the, what do they call them? The sadhu's there. And he asks mm-hmm. a question. He goes... He goes up to the person making the gravel and says, which blow of the hammer broke the rock? What's the answer? Every one. Every one of Everyone. them. Every yeah. one of them. And so, so if you imagine depression or this idea of suicide or, or not loving yourself or wanting to love yourself as a giant boulder up on the side of the mountain by your, by your cabin. Mm-hmm. And you and Mike and John get out there, and the idea is like, hey, this boulder has to go. This thing is like really blocking the view, and we need this thing out of here. And so you start digging and digging and digging and digging, and you get your picks out and you get your spud bars out, and you're digging around that boulder for 36 and a half years, mm-hmm. and the boulder's still there. You could give up, right? Right. But if you follow through the process mm-hmm. at the 37th year or three after three months, the boulder you kick out, Mike walks around the corner and goes, Oh, here, here's one stone here. He hits it with his spud bar and this boulder, the size of a house rolls down the hill. Mm-hmm. You'd want to ask that same question, which, which little one of those things you did cause that boulder Causes to roll it, down yeah. the hill. Yeah. Which one of those things that God dug out around you mm-hmm. to allow that self-hatred to roll down the hill? Mm-hmm. When, when did that actually happen? Right. When, maybe this last year, but it was a process. It was definitely a process. Every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every day a little bit fell off. Yeah. A little bit fell off. Yeah. And so, so, in the, so in the process, if we can look at it as a process, what's going on in our lives as a process. And I remember your dad telling me this one time because 
my job is not to change anything. My job is just like people are all like kind of view them like they're on a conveyor belt and God's moving them and touching them. And as they go down the conveyor belt, mm-hmm. each one's going through what they're going through exactly perfect in the perfect time. And he has the perfect outcome down at the end. And my view, my job is just to keep telling them, don't jump off the conveyor belt. Don't jump out of the process. Go through the process. And I think that's, you know, kind of that's what we're saying here in, in this little podcast is we're going to bring this as a this is a problem to light mm-hmm. suicide. Yeah. Touched. Has it touched everybody here in this room? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. It's touched me like multiple times. Yeah. And it's sad every time. Mm-hmm. It's hard to go through and watch. It. And so that's what I'd like to just like throw out there. It's like, hey, stay on the conveyor belt. Don't jump off. There is, well, I mean, it sounds really bad, but could be what you're going through is the best thing that ever happened for you. Oh, Pro- yeah. That probably sounds really crazy now, but you'll probably, no, it wouldn't surprise me at all that at some point you'd be surprised. The person who's listening to this would be be like Noah or me uh, or uh, any of us guys and just be sur- look back across their life and be surprised that how you made it through it and, and look back and go, wow, mm-hmm. that was really painful. I never want to do it again but I wouldn't change a thing. Right. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was brutal going through it, but once you actually get through it, it's great. I know before we finish up this podcast, I just wanted to just add one more thing. And that is what, what if you're out there and you're not contemplating suicide? Okay. What can you do? You know, what can you do in this situation where we have people fellow believers who are struggling, uh, who feeling depressed, feelings of hopelessness. And there are three things that we're called to do uh, that the Lord has, has said that we're to do for each other as followers of Jesus. And the first is that we're called to comfort. And that comes from Isaiah 41 and 2. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. So no matter what the circumstance is, if a person is struggling because of something they've done themselves, or maybe they're a victim, someone else has done something to them, some sort of abuse or something like that, we are called to be comforters for these people. Secondly, we are called to be compassionate and to have compassion for these people. And that comes from Matthew 9, 13, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. We need to have a heart of love and compassion for one another. That is what opens up this shroud that we've talked about, so that a person has trust, that they can be transparent with us and have trust that we're not going to judge them, we're not going to condemn them, but we're going to have compassion and love for them. And finally, I'd just like to say we're called to counsel, and that's also from Isaiah 41. But when I look, there is no one and there is no counselor among them who, if I ask, can give an answer. And that just means we need to be listeners. It may not take any more than just sitting down with a person and having ears to hear. You may not have the answer. I don't have any answers, but I have a pair of ears and I have a compassionate heart, and I'm there to listen to a person. 
-hmm. and to give them guidance to perhaps someone that can help them. And this is what we're called to do, not to sit idly by, but to be a part of people's lives with comfort and compassion and love. And that's what Jesus has called us to do. And that's particularly for those of us that may not be struggling with suicide ourselves, but who may have people in our direct communities who are. That's awesome. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's good. Great. Thanks for for telling us that. That's right on. It's it's so 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 encouraging to be a part of a body like that where we can actually experience that. Because as you were you mentioned well, those people, and I was thinking those people, those people. Oh, you mean oh, you mean me? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. Well, and sometimes, Steve, and I mean, I know you know this, but it doesn't take any more than just being a good listener. Yeah. I have a very close friend who has struggled with suicidal thoughts, you know, and it stems from back when he was a child. You know, he's a gay man. His parents were Christians, and he went through a lot of condemnation. And most of the time when we get together, he's not looking for answers from me, just some ears that will listen. Right and it's on. as simple as that. Yeah. Great. So we're going to have a follow-up to this podcast because yeah. so many of our friends and so many we have, we're all been touched by suicide, our follow-up podcast will be uh, dealing with um, the sad state that they're actually survivors. Survivors that have somebody that they love who has gone ahead and committed suicide and what, you know, what's the biting life message for people that have family members that have killed themselves? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll take a break and part two will be next. <laughs>